0: What's
1: up sons and daughters? It is Sam Jesse and I am back with Chris and Brett from the locks of Saturday for our bowl season part 2 preview. How are we doing, guys? Happy holidays.
2: Yeah, how's it going? We have a couple a uh, couple
1: opt-outs, a couple people declaring for uh, another pick em podcast tonight. Yeah, we do uh it is a busy time of year. Um it turns out we're getting 6 people to have a time during the week where they can sit down, do a podcast is, is kind of difficult. Yeah. Yep. That's a good part about having a big team though, is we always got someone willing to talk about some, you know, just phenomenal matchups like Iowa and Kentucky. I mean,
3: we are a deep team. And as Chris Coleman say, always be red shirting. We're always red shirting here.
1: We are always red shirting. Well, we will cover part two of the bowl games. So these are the bowl games on Wednesday, December 29th through the end of bowl season, not including the new year six and college football playoff. That will be next week's podcast, the penultimate podcast of the year. And guys, very, very important. ESPN.com get there. I, I guess tomorrow when we put this out, if you are hearing this, it's probably your last chance to join. Um, bet. ESPN.com bowl mania group. The group is locks of Saturday. The S in locks is a dollar sign, just like our Twitter handle, just like our logo sign up there, name your bracket after your Twitter handle, and you will have a chance to win a prize at the end of the season. And lo and behold, a fourth crew member has joined Robert Irby. Thank you for joining. How are you tonight?
4: I would just like to start off, uh, by quoting Obi Wan Kenobi and say, "Hello there,"
1: hey, I'm excited you're joining. Yeah, sorry. A- I, that's I was okay. Curious. I, I did all had the, to pour uh, my beer. Oh, okay. naturally, naturally. I, oh, made I was curious Chinese to see if we were going to get tonight. more uh,
2: if we were going to get more participants in the Locks of Saturday Bull Pool or games total, what was going to be the highest number, and, and I think we're up to 48, I guess, in the last count, so we did it. Wow. We exceeded well, the that amount of family, games. So. <laughs> Although I would say about 45 of those entries are Brett, so uh, thanks, thanks Brett, for, for taking his burners. <laughs> All my 45 burn. different unique ESPN logins to come up with your brackets, so...
1: Well, we've gotten I I tweeted it out with uh Intag on Saturday Irish and they've retweeted it a couple of times. So maybe we have some Irish uh fans in the house for our Bullmania group. If you there are, welcome. Um Yeah, you guys ready to get started? We got a barn burner to start it.
2: If you can't start out with 11 o'clock kickoff at Fenway Park between two terrible teams, what can you do? So let's go.
1: I mean, Chris, I don't know about you. I don't have anything I'm doing at 11 a.m. on a Wednesday, except for watching SMU Virginia hit the Fenway bowl in Boston, Massachusetts. This game is on ESPN at 11 a.m. on Wednesday, December 29th. SMU two point underdogs against the Wahoos. The over under is at 71. Both teams, Who have interim coaches, total revamps, Um, but again, two offenses that are, I guess you could say, two of the better passing offenses in the country this year are playing in this game. Should be exciting. Uh, Chris, we'll kick it off with you tonight. Mustangs or Cavaliers, who you got? No. basically a
2: pickle so let's let, let's let make sure that we're not only announcing the bowl game but the sponsor of the bowl game of which this one is the wasabi fenway bowl and disappointingly not actually wasabi in an essence of the sushi uh seasoning flavor whole spicy uh mixture there it's it's uh i think a technology company i don't know what they do maybe they invent new different types of wasabi no idea but um, I'm I'm excited to kind of do some bigger, deeper diving on Wasabi as a company than I did on this actual bowl game. You like that lead in there? So a couple rules that I listened to for uh, um some kind of pre-bowl game, pick and pool type strategies. Uh I, I went out there into the kind of the podcast lexicon and tried to find some things that really, really kind of made sense when you're picking these. Um, one of which is if you lost your coach and or you have multiple opt-ins go in the opposite direction more times than not it hits. And the other one was kind of another good broad brush rule that I'm also applying for the majority to fix this game is um, motivation. Who cares and go with that game. Um, The tough part was that applies to both of these teams in the negative. So I had no idea who was going to win this game. I do know that if everybody plays in terms of the players on the field, sands coaches there's going to be a lot of points because both of these defense are absolutely terrible i do not know who can get stops in this game and the only thing i can think of is is texas team from dallas going up north and playing at 11 a.m and and fenway park uh, that's only the angle that i could think of in such a close game so even though bronco mendenhall is leaving uva behind he is i believe coaching this game do i have that right Correct me if I'm wrong there. That's the last I thought that he was going to be still kind of the interim coach for this game. I don't know. I have no idea. Well, if I'm saying it, then it's probably not true. So, Robert, do you know? It. And that's the tough part about trying to call these games. But <laughs> even if that wasn't the case and they did have some continuity amongst the staff there, I do believe Brennan Armstrong is playing as well. Um, so give me the Cavaliers. It's basically a pick game of plus two. And that's the only thing I could possibly think of is it's going to be really, really cold. And a bunch of people who played on artificial turf and Dallas probably aren't ready something like that. No motivation on either side. So in, in essence, just give me the team. that's probably happy to be there. And that's UVA.
4: Bronco is coaching. Just confirmed that he, like he is officially resigning enough. after the bowl game. That's the so emotional bad.
2: goodbye. He, he, he's departing.
1: I don't know. So that's so sad. Um, you know, Chris, just you awkward. Up, when you brought up the weather in uh, Boston, let's remember uh, I brought this up a few weeks ago when SMU went to Cincinnati, another very cold city to play in that game. Um, SMU 4 11 and 1 against the spread in their last 16 November games going into that one. They got beat pretty handily by Cincinnati in that game. So let's just remember that. They're also not a very good road team, especially this season. I believe they are now one in seven uh, against the spread in their last eight road games. So, you know, if you're looking at a game where it's going to be cold weather, it's, you know, a long flight from Dallas, maybe doesn't set up there well for SMU. I hate picking UVA, but I'm I'm gonna pick UVA in this one. I have them at minus two.
4: I'm gonna zag on that. I really like SMU in this one. Uh, but before I get into that, if we're talking dream sponsors for bowl games, picture this: the Fenway Bowl presented by SmartPak. Pretty good, Hello. right? <laughs> Maybe like you <laughs> could bring Lipton back D, that classic but- commercial,
1: <laughs> Lipton tea. That'd be pretty funny, but uh, that'd
4: be good. Yeah. Um, anyway, sorry, back to SMU, uh, to me, it's pretty simple. UVA struggles to stop the pass. I mean, they, they struggle to stop the pass against less than competent quarterbacks. And Tanner Mordecai is beyond competent. Um, he has been lighting it up all year long. One of the best passing offenses in the country versus one of the best, or sorry, worst passing defenses in the country. It's pretty simple to me. I think it's SMU. I think they cover the spread and I think they went out right.
3: Yeah, I'm a therapy here. Completely outright. I'm going, I'm first game, I'm locking it in. SMU plus two, locking it in. I mean, Virginia couldn't stop Virginia Tech from passing the ball. And that's saying something. And SMU is one of the best passing offenses in the country. I think the over under also is way too low uh, for a bowl game. Nobody plays defense in bowls. That's just kind of how it is anyway. So, but I'm locking it in SMU plus two against UVA. Um, I don't know how this team is going to respond with. The way Bronco left out of nowhere. Whereas the SMU players probably, with their success, probably was thinking Sonny Dykes was kind of jump ship. But I don't know how the Virginia team responds.
1: Yeah. And it'll be interesting. I think there's definitely storylines in this game on the 29th in Boston, Massachusetts, high of 37 and cloudy. So um, not, not ideal. Not ideal. And that game will be played at Fenway Park, by the way, not in Gillette Stadium. So, Wind could be kind of funky there in a baseball stadium. Weird game. Who knows? Uh, I do expect a ton of points in that one. Over-under is 71 again. All right, fellas. Weird. We're doing a Virginia Tech game right in the middle of it. But here we go. A little bit further south, the Pinstripe Bowl. Maryland and Virginia Tech. Yankee Stadium in the Bronx in New York. This game will be at two fifteen on ESPN. Maryland is one-point favorites now. Now, I'm guessing that a lot of that movement, that about three-point movement where Tech was about two-point favorites and now it's about Maryland one-point favorite, I think that was a lot because of the opt-outs that Virginia Tech has. You have guys, you know, Trey Turner, Fabian Robinson obviously transferred, he's not playing. Jordan Williams will not play. It was just a... Lacita Smith not playing. Uh, You know, I I don't think Lacita Smith would have played anyways because of injury. But Lacita Smith not playing. Mari Barno not playing. Jermaine Waller. Jermaine Waller not playing. Uh, Davion Robinson. Davion Robinson no longer with no longer with us. Um. (laughs) (laughs) I. I don't. I. I don't really think it matters. And maybe that's just because of me, because I've seen those guys play all year and it's like, okay, they're good. But like, what are you losing with Trey Turner being out? Six targets, seven targets. What are you losing with Barno being out? One quarter, one or two quarterback hurries here or there. What are you losing? Let's see, Smith wasn't going to play. What are you losing with Jermaine Waller? You, you might be perfectly fine without Jermaine Waller. Uh, he hasn't been healthy and hadn't been playing well. I mean, you know, I'm, I feel pretty good about Virginia Tech's chances in this game. Maryland is a really bad team. I'm sure other guys will cover that, but coming from solely who Virginia Tech will put on the field, as long as I'm guessing Braxton Burmeister will be a bit healthier for this, as long as he's out there, Blackshear's out there, they have a couple guys on the offensive line, and defensively, as long as they don't completely implode they should win this game pretty handily, right?
2: Yeah, I'll go with Tech. Easy, outright win pick here for me. Um, The only reason I say that is because uh, usually when you have this kind of amount of turnover, the players kind of matter to a certain extent. But if it's not the quarterback, I don't really know how much it actually moves the needle in terms of the outcome of the game. So for me, this one is just the fact that J.C. Price is the quote-unquote interim coach, Uh, but he's been interim for this will be his third game. He's also staying on staff. He's being promoted. The fan, excuse me, the team loves them. Um, so this is more of a game of evaluating the future people, replacing all those people who are now opting out. So I just feel like they're going to have them ready to play in this game and they have a motivation angle. Whereas Maryland, I mean, they were kind of wishy-washy all season in the Big Ten, uh, had a standard kind of Marylandish season. They beat all the really, really bad Big Ten teams, mostly in the Big Ten West, and they got absolutely crushed by every good team in their own division. Um, and they're going in the next season. It's like, okay, great. We have continuity with Mike Loxley again, you know, what, what is that? Um, so I just feel like there is a bit of an angle for the team to play up for JC price one more time before he finally switches and passes the torch, but it's, it's like a good transition period over to the next staff too. So, uh, I, I like where tech is at as like a program with kind of the motivation angle here. Um, so give me tech. I'm on the
4: Hokies as well. Um, I feel like Maryland's offense, um, has looked really strong at times, but that's just really against inferior opponents. Anytime they're really challenged by, um, any, any sort of competent to strong defense. Um, they just don't really perform well, like 18 points against Maryland. I'm sorry, Michigan, 18 points against Michigan, 21 against Michigan state, 14 against Penn state, 16 against Minnesota, 17 against Ohio state, 14 against Iowa, even 20 against Illinois, like anytime they're challenged, they just aren't really able to do anything. Um, They don't run the ball well. They don't protect against the run well. And Tech usually has success this year against teams um, that aren't able to do those two things. So I think that Tech's defense does enough here to limit what Tagovailoa can do because pretty much their entire offense is based on what he can do. Um, And he can be a bit turnover prone at times. So I think that he'll try to press too much and the Hokies will uh win this one fairly handily.
1: Yeah, I mean Maryland does what Maryland has done for the past 4 or 5 years, right? They they'll play Howard, they'll play Kent State and they'll, you know, score 99 points in those two games combined. That's what they do. They look really good at the beginning of the year and then they suck. They did it again this year. They started 4-0. They ended the season 6 and 6. And to be honest with you, like they're uh they had two Big 10 wins, Indiana and Rutgers. Both were really bad teams. I don't, this is not a good Maryland team. Uh, Brett, maybe, you know, maybe for Virginia Tech, it could be a bit of, you know, the luster has run out with JC Price. Maybe you could say they're kind of just looking to the future. Maybe you could say there's not a lot of motivation for this game with so many guys out. I don't know. But it just on paper, I don't really understand why Maryland's one-point favorite.
0: Yeah, I
3: think it's coaching turnover. Like, but I'm, I'm with Chris though. It's like player turnover is more important, I and mean, we've had we're going to have some player turnover also in this game. But I just like I just don't think either team is very good. So I actually think a pick is actually probably the right call. Um, honestly, But I think Virginia Tech is able to win this game just because I think this team's going to rally around um, <clears throat> JC Price. Like Chris said as well, I think they're going to play for him. Um, they love him. They almost. They, could have went, well, I guess, what, 2-0 and with him, um, barely losing to Miami, and then obviously the big win at Virginia. So, um, yeah, give, give me the Hokies here. I think the uh, Talia is the streakiest quarterback I've ever seen in my life. Um He either looks like the Heisman winner or he looks like he should be playing another sport. So, I guess the competent defense, it has been – seems like he's playing another sport. So, give me the Hokies.
1: Something interesting about this game before we move on, we won't spend too much time on it. Uh, Teamrankings.com, who does a lot of, you've probably seen a lot of their stats, but they do a lot of predictions as well. They have Virginia Tech winning this game about 28.2 to 26.4 is where their projection is putting it. Very rare do you see them go against, go outright against the spread. Uh, So that's weird. Also, uh, 50% of the bets right now are split either way which is also very rare. So could be something interesting in this game. One to look out for. I don't really think Vegas has a good handle on it, as you will see with some of these other games coming up. So let's move right along to one of the best bowls there is a the tale as old as time, a tradition unlike any other, the Cheese it Bowl in Orlando, Florida on ESPN at 545. This one... Uh I Clemson is one and a half point underdogs against Iowa State. Is this the uh disappointment bowl more than anything?
2: I don't know. This is one of those ones where it's like what is the difference between a head coach completely turning over during this time frame or losing coordinators, but still kind of keeping that kind of below the surface kind of staff continuity because I don't think they lost out on many other of the supporting assistants, but um This one was topped away because of the motivation factor. You know, Clemson had a uh, a national title aspirations going into the season. They fell flat. They lost both coordinators, uh, mostly because it was time for those guys to finally get recognized and stand up on their own because everyone's been asking when they were going to get hired at other programs for like probably like the last three or four years straight. And then you lean it up against Iowa State. Similar story. Had top 10 aspirations going into the season and kind of fell flat on their face. Um, and I still don't know if Brees Hall is actually playing in this game or opting out, but if he does not play, I don't know how Iowa state scores points because regardless of Brent Venables is calling the defense or not, the Clemson defense is still really good. Um, and I, I don't know if they'll still be able to steal signs of the other team and be able to, uh, figure out how to, uh, have that advantage on defense, but, uh, the fact of the matter is, is they still have blue chips up and down their roster. It's not like they lost everybody all at once, albeit they did have some portal transfer folks, but not necessarily anybody that moves the needle. And they might have lost some people in their um, early signing day class, but that's not going to impact this game regardless. So um, I actually think Clemson wins this game pretty handedly. Um I think they're motivated because right now they have – kind of been the laughing stock in terms of Dabo doubling down on going against NIL and talking about, you know, kind of, you know, what is right with college football and wrong with college football. And everybody's kind of been dunking on him. but Clemson kind of seems like a team that internalizes a lot of things and utilizes that as like a motivation factor. So I think this is going to be one of those moments where they come together and be able to make a statement out of Iowa state. So, um, The last part is, is they're just basically playing in their own backyard, you know, uh, essentially because they don't have to travel very far for this game, whereas Iowa State has to come a little bit further of a distance. So um, in a matchup of two kind of disappointing teams, give me the best defense. Um, So that's kind of where I'm trying to go. Give me Clemson in this one. And the fact of the matter with the point spread so slow to pick them game. So the fact that they're an underdog alone is another reason for them to motivate to be an underdog against Iowa State after the season that they had.
4: Yeah, I'm on Clemson too. Um, I'm actually going to go ahead and lock this in. Uh, yeah, I I can't really fathom having Clemson be an underdog against a seven and five Iowa State team. That just doesn't make any sense to me. Especially if you want to talk like disappointment, like Iowa was. Pre- Iowa State was preseason top ten as well, and here they are at seven and five. So I don't know. Clemson's playing really good football right now. Um, they've scored thirty or more points in each of their last. Um, five games, which, you know, with all the negativity that's been around this Clemson offense and deservedly so for how they played early in the season, they figured some things out. Um, you can see, um, I guess I've watched them a little more closely than the average, uh, Virginia tech fan. But, um, what I really notice a lot is their blocking schemes. Um, they're, they're using a lot more motion, a lot more pulling, um, to free up lanes for Will Shipley and Kobe Pace. Um, so they've basically taken their maybe less talented offensive line and they've figured out how to scheme them up in ways to still create those holes and um, use their running backs who are very, very good. Will Shipley is going to be a college football star. Um, and so I see them doing more of that. Um, with, with Brandon Streeter stepping in as offensive coordinator, he went from passing game coordinator to offensive coordinator. Like that's a... Fairly seamless transition. Um, So, yeah, I see Clemson winning this far and away, especially if Brees Hall doesn't play, uh, because who knows? I feel like he would probably have to opt out with his draft stock being as high as it is. But, you know, we'll see. But Tiger's big time.
1: Yep, I agree with you. I'm going to lock this one in. This is the walkiest lock of the slate for me. And I'll ask you this. If I were to tell you at the beginning of the year, Clemson and Iowa State would be playing in a postseason game, would you think it would be more likely to be a college football playoff game or the Cheez-It Bowl? I think you
4: know the answer to that question.
2: <laughs> I would have thought something really, really strange happened in the uh the ACC because I just never would have assumed that Iowa State was a legit college football playoff contender. I would have thought they would have been like the one off New Year's Six bowl game or something like that, or like a New Year's I, State bigger bowl game.
4: Yeah, I two. would have said like yeah, like Peach
2: Bowl or something.
1: Yeah. I mean, they they could have had Oklahoma State season and Oklahoma State was a play away but they did is very true. So, I, I mean, it. this could have happened. This could have been in the college football playoff and it's now in the cheese and bowl. Look, I am with you guys Clemson by a mile in this one, they are playing a little bit better offensively. And I think Iowa state is just one of those teams that, you know, they did every Iowa state did everything right. They did. They redshirted guys. They recruited well, they have a phenomenal strength and conditioning program. They are coached up. And None of that really matters is if on Saturdays when you line up across from a guy, the other guy's just faster than you or just bigger than you. And that's what they ran into this year. I think they're really going to run into that against Clemson. I like Clemson plus one and a half. I also love over 45 and a half. I have no idea why it's so low for this game. I understand at the beginning of the year, the offenses for both teams didn't look great. But I think now all you need in this is like 2721 gets you the over. I like it in this one. Brett, your pick for Clemson and Iowa State. We are dubbing it the disappointment bowl.
3: Yeah, Iowa State was my one of my dark horse playoff teams, honestly. But uh
1: Them and LSU just didn't work out this year, did they?
3: No, yeah. Uh but anyway. Stop it. I'm on Clemson here big time, also. I think they're uh I'm, I, we only pick one lock. I locked SMU, but this one is, uh, this one's up there for me as a lock, too. I think it's just going to be too much for Iowa State. I don't know what the hell Brock Purdy's going to do. Um, pretty, pretty, I don't, can he come back next year? Does he have an extra year or does he have to go pro this year?
4: I think he has an extra year. Uh, well. (laughs) Doesn't matter. <laughs> well, he can. I don't think <laughs> he can go pro. Seven years. I think he can. I think he can go home. I don't think he can go pro. You know,
3: I mean, he might do the Kenny Pickett. I don't know. That's what we said about Kenny Pickett. Who knows? But anyway, um, yeah, I thought Brock Purdy would have been much better this year after he showed some life last year, and he would improve. But obviously, they just relied on Brees Hall to do everything. So they shut down him. They shut down Iowa State. Give me Clemson.
1: Well, we'll move on from two disappointing teams to two maybe even more disappointing teams. Oregon is four-and-a-half-point underdogs to the Oklahoma Sooners in the Valero Alamo Bowl in the Alamo Dome in San Antonio, Texas, the Hinkle Fieldhouse of college football. This game will be at 9.15 p.m. on ESPN This will round out your Wednesday night. Just a a wonderful, wonderful day of football. If you think about the brand names that are playing on this day. Over-under for this game is 61. Chris, two teams I think had maybe two of the most ridiculous, nationally televised breakups with their coaches that you could possibly imagine and you know, just a gift from the football gods that they are playing this game against. Yeah.
2: I really felt like in a lot of these matchups, the bowl game matchup can be just like, let's get the teams that'll just cancel each other out. So we don't have to have the unknowns against the known commodities. So that's one that makes sense. So this, this uh was no different. Um I, I, To be honest, I feel like it does cancel each other out in terms of the motivating factor. They're both going to be motivated to kind of show where they're at as a program. And so for me, it was just who's going to be coaching each one and what do they really have going for them. And I think the overall total staff losses for OU to prepare them in this game is probably going to hurt them a little bit more. Because I think Lincoln Riley took every good coach that was existing on the staff um, with them uh, to, to Los Angeles. So. I actually like the underdog story of Oregon this one. I think Mario Cristobal might be a little bit of an addition by subtraction for the motivating factor of this team, even without KV on Thibodeau. Um, just Joe Moorhead staying on to the end of the season to coach this game before he moves on to Akron. I think there's going to be a little bit of like a let's win this for Joe because he is really liked by a lot of the team and staff there. Um, and he can kind of free up the play calling because I felt like he probably had a little bit of like Crystal ball kind of pressing down on him to call a certain type of game, and, and Oregon is not that type of. So, I do expect them to play a little bit looser in this one. Another one was just I just had to remember the last time Bob Stoops coached a football game, it was 2016. And then I forgot he coached the Dallas Renegades last season. So, I actually went in to look at how the Dallas Renegades performed in the, yeah. but, uh, uh, no, I I'm, I'm actually taking the, uh, the dog in this one. I'm not going to lock it up, but I do like all the motivational factors and, you know, this isn't necessarily a, a, a matchup that really makes sense to dive too much into really when you think about all of the just craziness that happened. So, um, just pick the better story. I like that for Oregon. So give me the ducks.
4: I like Oklahoma here. Um, you know, a tradition unlike any other is a disappointing Oregon team playing in the Valero Alamo Bowl. I feel like that happens every year. They go like 8-4, and 9-3 and three and play in the Alamo Bowl and uh, end up in a boat race with some random Big 12 team. This time it's Oklahoma. Uh, I like Oklahoma here. Bob Stoops coaching, I think that's awesome. Um, ultimately, I just think they're a better football team. Oregon has really, really crumbled down the stretch here, um, getting blown out by Utah twice. Um, Their defense already wasn't great, but losing Thibodeau is a huge loss. Caleb Williams is the best player on the field. Um, Yeah, I think Oklahoma by at least a touchdown here.
3: Yeah, and Oregon owes you money, so I feel like you can't bet them legally anymore.
4: Yeah, yeah, I am quite. Well, actually, Oklahoma owes me money, too, because I bet on them to win the national championship. So both of these teams are dead to me. But shout out to Cincinnati, though. Oh, yeah, it came through for me. It was yeah. all worth it. Yeah, uh,
3: I'll ta- I'll tag on real quick here. I'm on Oklahoma too. Um, yeah, the way Oregon played down the stretch was pretty terrible. Oklahoma obviously didn't do much down the stretch either, but I think they played a little bit tougher competition down the stretch where they met their match. Um, <laughs> I'm also on the Bob Stoops train. I think that is hilarious. Um, that's that's like the one. I think that's like that's a storyline nobody's talking about, really. So I'm on Oklahoma. Big time here.
1: I I gotta go with Oregon. Um, simply put, because as a college football fan, I I have to bet the Oregon Ducks playing on turf. It just seems like it makes sense. They're just so fast, and those uniforms are gonna look so fast under the lights against that turf in the Alamo Dome. And at night it's gonna be late at night. And I, I just I have to go with Oregon. The, the vibes for me are with Oregon in this game. I think what happened to Oklahoma was so dysfunctional internally. It was so it was such a betrayal uh, to that program, and they thought in their eyes that I, I don't I don't know how good they're feeling right now. I know Oregon is probably very upset about Cristobal, but I do think they're coming at it with a little bit more of an edge or a more positive spin to it than what we're seeing out of Norman, Oklahoma. I also think what we've seen out of Cale Williams is he has all of the physical tools and he has the talent, but when he needs to make plays, he's kind of struggled to do that. He struggled against Baylor doing that. He struggled against Oklahoma State when it came down to the wire. If this game gets close, I like Oregon to Get stops when they need to get stops. I think it'll be a really high scoring game, something in the 70s or 80s. So I love the over is this one as well. Give me the quack attack in the Alamo Dome. All right. That wraps up Wednesday, December 29th. Now on to Thursday, December 30th, 11.30 a.m. Charlotte, North Carolina, the Duke's Mayo Bowl. Just one of, of a lovely bowl. Winner, winning coach gets a Gatorade tub of Mayo dunked on them. If they do it, they get a donation to a charity of their choice from Duke's Mayo. I think it's hilarious. I kind of want to see UNC win, but I don't know if I don't know if Mac Brown could handle Mayo being dunked on him like that.
3: Yeah, especially as Bernie Jordan might kill him. I was gonna say you
4: can't get mayo on the Jordans. That's all the man has left. It truly really is.
2: I'd rather <laughs> see it on that stupid big puffy jacket that he wears now, where he looks like the Michelin State Puff Marshmallow. And that black kind of, I, I, it, he looks ridiculous in that thing. And I imagine since he December looks like 3rd, a trash think, bag, he does. He looks like the hefty man, a hefty bag on. So, um, I, I mean, I can start off in this game. I'm picking South Carolina outright. I love the motivational factor. I really feel like they're going to be really juiced up to play in this game. I, I mean, there's going to be so many Gamecock fans in the stands. And since it's in Charlotte and UNC fans don't show up to their own home games, the blue seats might look like their own fan base. I have no idea, but um, th- this is going to be a pseudo-type home game for South Carolina. And they're way, way more happy to be in this game than North Carolina is after the quote-unquote preseason top 10 uh, national title aspirations. And now they're 6-6. Six playing an 11-30 uh, bowl game um, on a weekday uh, against a team that they probably never envisioned themselves playing at the end of the season. So um, just give me the team with the edge and the better angle the more motivation um, That is, uh, that that's – I mean, you saw all the videos. Uh, Shane's got this team fired up, and I think with the um, the signing, I, I guess I don't know how he's going to look playing there, but the signing of Spencer Rattler, I think they just feel like they have much more of an upward trajectory – Whereas UNC is ultimately uh, every year. They're just constantly ending the season in disappointment. So I expect this one to end no differently.
4: Yeah, this is easy. All aboard the Shane train. Eight and a half points is absurd. Uh, They will definitely cover this. South Carolina fans are going to show up in droves because Columbia is not very far from Charlotte at all. And most importantly, kids, always remember, Mac is whack.
1: Yeah, in this one, I, I could definitely see North Carolina winning this football game. And I was kind of coming into this prepared to pick North Carolina. Sam Howell was playing. I think South Carolina kind of, they, I don't want to say they lucked their way into making a bowl game. I had them winning over four and a half games this year. But I think they caught teams at the exact right moment a few times this season. And that Florida. really helped them out. Florida, exactly. Um when- wouldn't North Carolina continue that trend that it really would. It really would. So that's why I'm going South Carolina. I think if this game was at somewhere like six, I'd feel a lot more confident in North Carolina, but eight and a half is just too much. I don't think North Carolina is better than really at many six and six teams at eight and a half points. I mean, they're just, they're too volatile. South Carolina has not been good offensively this year. And that's really the only thing holding them back they're good on special teams. They're very, very good defensively, actually. In terms of advanced analytics, they've been one of the best defenses all year in the country. I like South Carolina to keep it to at least keep it close in this one. Over-under for this game, by the way, is 58.5. So I don't really know what Vegas sees in South Carolina, but they must be expecting Sam Howell to go off in this game.
3: Yeah, I want South Carolina too. I said at the beginning of the year. Um, by the end of the season, if North Carolina had lost a few games, if they had lost three or four games by like the end of the season, they just weren't gonna care. And to me, I feel like we've seen that already. They're just they're done. They've been done. They actually showed some life the NC State game after they were getting blown out. I was like, Oh, this this yeah, this is this them laying down. Um and they're probably playing the worst, they're probably worst opponent they could think of in South Carolina and a team that's rallying around a coach right now. I get against the team well, North Carolina is a team that I really don't even think they care Mac Brown's on the field. <laughs> so honestly, not only think they know he's there um, they just know he shows up to their house and gives them McDonald's bags full of money or Jordans. And so they think he's like Santa or something, but anyway, yeah, McDonald's
4: bags full of Jordans.
3: Yeah. McDonald's bags full of Jordans, like big ones. Um, but anyway, I'm on South Carolina here big time. I just don't see North Carolina really caring. I think they're Sam Howe, honestly surprised. he's. I'm actually surprised he didn't opt out. Uh, That was pretty shocking to me. Uh, I think he's just going to roll around there and try to flick the ball around.
1: He hasn't declared for the draft yet. He hasn't. He hasn't. And I'm telling you, there's a real possibility that Brennan Armstrong and Sam Howell both come back.
3: um, Oh, I figured next year. Um, but how, what if how like jumped in the transfer portal? That'd be crazy. Uh,
4: I mean, Drake May is better than Sam Howell. I'm just going to say it. <laughs> Drake, Drake May, has Drake May even played a down yet?
3: He will be better than Sam Howell. Let Ooh, me replace yeah. that. Well, we said Sam Howell was going to be a Heisman winner, and he's, he looked like poo poo this year. So, yeah. Um, yeah, give me South Carolina.
1: All right. We're all going USC East. That's, that's a little scary. It's not a good sign. But as we said last week, Robert, if we're all wrong together, we can still be right. We also all hate North Carolina. So. That's true. That's true. Um, that That is very true. All right. Next game. Another team that we don't really like around these parts, Tennessee. They are playing Purdue in the Music City Bowl, one of the actual classic bowl games that is still left. The Music City Bowl in Nashville, Tennessee. This game will be on ESPN at 3 o'clock. The over-under is 63.5. Tennessee is 4.5-point favorites against the Purdue Boilermakers. I'll go with it. Purdue, 4.5. Feels really good. I know, I know. Tennessee has all the talent. Hendon Hooker's playing well. It's in Tennessee. I I just, uh oh. I'm really on the fence with this one. I'm really on the fence with this one. Here's Let what I'll do. Let me nudge it back. Let me nudge it you you back. Can, you guys talk about it, and I'll make up my mind. Oh, yeah, I'm going to make
2: the case for you. Uh, Tennessee, this one's a pretty easy one for me. Hendo Cinco, he's, he's I believe, announced that he's coming back for his next season. So this is you a momentum-type game for him. So. I like what they came together as a football team this year. It kind of took them a little bit to kind of put things together as a team in the early on part of the season. Um, I feel like Purdue kind of won in a soft Big Ten West kind of divisional schedule. and They just kind of were the benefactors of not playing a strong amount of the, what is it, the Big Ten East division. Um, So I feel like their record is a little bit inflated and people are getting kind of uh, uh, the perception that um, they they are better than they actually are. so it's, it's a different Tennessee program that looks like they're actually kind of have a little bit of an edge going forward. I like what Eichel did in year uh, one here for them. So just like you said, the, 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 winner of this is the, is the, the fan base who get to go to Nashville uh, for a pretty good
1: bowl game and, and eat a lot of hot chicken. It's cold. So just. I had some banging hot chicken. Yesterday, shout-out to Isla's Southern Kitchen here in Raleigh, North Carolina, locals of Norfolk, Virginia. It was great. Robert, go on. Wow. Yeah, I'm going to have to find that. Um,
4: yeah, I'm on Tennessee. Better athletes. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. It's SEC football versus mediocre Big Ten football. I just don't really see a way for Purdue to hang in there. Tennessee's going to run the ball a lot against a pretty, pretty – average to below average rush defense from Purdue. Uh, They run the ball a lot. They're going to get a lot of play action with Hooker. Yeah, I mean, I could see Tennessee winning this by a couple touchdowns.
3: Yeah, I'm on Tennessee here too. Um, Purdue, first of all, Tennessee is in an undefeated top 10 team, so Purdue probably doesn't know how to play them. So (laughs) just to be – I mean, Jeff Brom, obviously, great coach. I'm honestly surprised nobody's picked him up or he's even had a name come up. I mean Purdue for a long time there was trash, especially after Drew, the Drew Brees era. Um really didn't take till he got there to really put them back on I would say not to he's
2: getting paid away. so much money annually he has no incentive to leave West uh, West Lafayette as Purdue's coach. So
3: Yeah that's true. He's almost like in the same position as Dave Coston is if he goes six and six and he gets paid two and a half million dollars a year that's a good season.
1: But he gets paid well, a lot more than if he that. could be out of West Lafayette Indiana.
3: Yeah. I mean, it's like the Dave Clawson thing. I mean, the same thing at Purdue. I like, on all honesty, they're like pretty much Purdue's much bigger school, but like it's all, they're almost like the same situation, but the anyway.
1: expectation is so low that yeah. it's hard to fail. Yeah. yeah. Um, gosh, I guess I'm going Rocky top. I get to sing the song a little bit when they play. That'll be nice. I, I just, there's so many things that point to Purdue being a better football team than Tennessee. I think we just have seen the flash of Tennessee. There's some points this year, but I mean, I'll, I'll go Tennessee, but I think if this game is being played anywhere but Nashville, which is basically the capital of Tennessee fandom outside of Knoxville, I think I would go Purdue. But because it's in Nashville, uh, I think the volunteers I think the volunteers can take this one. I'm a bit on the fence. I It's a rat line. I don't like this line. I don't like it at all, but we'll go volunteers. All right. Let's move on to the Las Vegas bowl from one destination city to the other. And this matchup I think is one of the more interesting matchups in bowl season. Wisconsin is seven point favorites against Arizona state. Again, Las Vegas bowl in Las Vegas, Nevada, this game will be on ESPN at 10:30. over under is set at a measly 42 points. Contrasting styles, contrasting schools, totally different coaches, Arizona State under nine wins this year, easy money. They can make it all right against Wisconsin and I think have a good season, but, but Wisconsin is playing phenomenal football. People forget that before that game against Minnesota, Wisconsin was one of the hottest teams in the country. They're running the ball well. They're playing phenomenal defense. I've watched Arizona State play about four or five full games this year, and I've never been impressed. They get a lot of penalties, dropped passes, blown coverages, things like that, and you're not going to beat a Wisconsin football team playing football like that. So give me the Badgers minus seven. I think Wisconsin runs away with this game in the fourth quarter.
2: This is the one time I'm actually going to put a lock on a game here. Wisconsin wins this game and will blow out the, the over-under at 42. I think this game will be Wisconsin 42 to nothing. I just don't see Arizona State competing defense alone. The fact is, is probably Jim Leonard's probably you've seen a rash, a wave of defensive coordinators getting head coaching positions. I think people are pivoting more to that. Leonard's the next one. He's definitely probably running one of the better defenses in all of college football for the last, I don't know how long it's been, at least a couple of years. Um, This game reminded me, since I have my USC kind of fandom in the background, reminds me of, I can't remember if it was a holiday bowl or this exact bowl, but uh, USC in 2019 played Iowa. And it was the same type of setup. It was, I'm not sure what this USC team is, but I know that they're a soft pack 12 team that was coming off of kind of, quote unquote, a little bit loftier expectations they were able to deliver. And with the coach, everyone's like, should we fire this guy? We're not sure. Um, and then Iowa came in and actually dominated them from start to finish. Um, that's probably what's going to play out in this game. Wisconsin, easy pick here for me. And uh, I'm, I'm making it my lock.
4: Wisconsin. Herm Edwards is a fraud. That's it.
3: I agree. God darn. We are we picked, we've all agreed three games in a row now. That's because
1: we're all we're all really smart. Yeah. No. That's
3: gotta
2: be the that's gotta be the (laughs) case.
1: That's the only thing it could be.
3: I mean if you're listening to this and plan on doing the pick'em, just fade one of those games. Just it's gonna happen.
1: Yeah, and for the pick em by the way, we are doing we're just doing straight up. It's because it's a little bit easier. Lines move, so like if you picked it at one point and then something material happened to change the line two or three points, that would suck. So resuming is straight up um, should be fun. But um, I will look at this right now. Actually, I have Capital One Bowl Mania pulled up, and most of the country is on Wisconsin. Eighty-five percent of Bowl Mania picks that have been placed in the world so far. Are on Wisconsin for this game, and I don't blame them. All right, New Year's Eve, Friday, December thirty first. The surprise was Wake Forest Demon Deacons, four point underdogs against Big Bad Texas A and M. Texas A and M just signed the number one recruiting class in the country, but they lost Elko. They lost Mike Elko. We'll get into that in a little bit. But this game, again, one of the OG Bowls. The Gator Bowl in Jacksonville, Florida. This game will be on ESPN at bright and early, 11 a.m. Your tequila sunrise is there in Jacksonville, sunny Jacksonville, Florida. Over under for this game is at 58. Uh, Calzada for Texas A&M in the transfer portal. So he will not be playing in this game. Someone not in the transfer portal and someone coming back to school next year. Wake Forest quarterback, Sam Hartman. What do you feel about this game? Because... This is sneakily, I think, a big game for the ACC.
2: This one was tough because I was trying to think of who is actually opting out to get ready for the NFL draft from the Texas A&M side. I do know that uh wasn't Marvin, Marvin Leal. He's also opting out of this game. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started asking myself is what what is the level – of defense that needs to be lowered from Texas A&M's team in order for Wake Forest to confidently score. And then the opposite side is how how much – does the Texas a offense have to take away from their offense to believe that Wake Forest can stop anybody because they're one of the softest defenses, not only in the ACC, but in the country. And I feel like they started doing some of that. So they got rid of Kazan. I think they have a true freshman starting. I don't know if he's played a snap all season. And on the opposite side for the defense, they got rid of their coordinator and their number one defensive lineman. So touche uh, <laughs> in terms of trying to figure out where it is. But um, this is the one where Wake Forest plus four – I'm going to hold my nose and take the take Wake Forest in this one. Um, it's a motivation game. I just don't think that Texas A&M is going to be motivated to play in this game at all, whatsoever. At 11 o'clock in Jacksonville, um, it's it's one of those ones where this is everything for Wake Forest to make a statement, and for Texas a and they just signed. They, they already made their statement. That was signed in the number one class in all of college football, so they've already had the Super Bowl. They're already on to next season. They don't care about this game at all, whatsoever. Um, so. Give me the deacons. I don't feel confident why I'm not locking up. I'm not even gonna look at the money line, even though it's a plus four in this one. So uh, I just expect that there's probably enough of a margin of difference that was closed by the attrition on both sides of the ball for Texas A for Wake Forest to have a chance.
4: The attrition is an interesting point. Um, when you look at AM. However, I think if you look traditionally at Wake Forest, um the games where they struggle the most are against teams that traditionally recruit superior athletes, not just from a, you know, good or bad football player standpoint, but just pure athlete standpoint in those teams that they've played this year, at least are UNC Pitt and Clemson. They lost all three of those games. Um, and those three teams are probably at this stage, three of the best, if not the three best teams at recruiting, um, just pure dominant athletes, especially on the line of scrimmage. And so schematically for Wake Forest, that shows itself um, with their offense. They run that mesh point, and you can see an athletic defensive line blow by the offensive line and blow up that mesh point because it's taking so much time. Wake has success against teams like Duke who don't have the athletes to, to blow that up. And then on the other side, Wake's... Defensive line is always smaller because they can't recruit that strong type of athlete. They're basically have defensive linemen the same size as like most other people's linebackers, but just not as athletic. And so if you have a big, strong athletic offensive line, which A&M does have, they can get a lot of push, especially with a and strong run game. So this is just a bad matchup for Wake. I think A&M wins here. Um, I think they win by at least a touchdown, probably closer to 10 points.
1: Yeah, I I really want to pick Wake Forest in this game. I really, really do, but I haven't seen, at one point this year, Wake Forest play a talented football team and play well. The only reason they beat NC State this year, they got a few calls to go their way in the fourth quarter, and that was about it. But other than that, you said, I mean, North Carolina, they give up 58 points. They lose that one by three. Even the win against North Carolina State, they gave up 42 points, probably should have lost that game. They gave up another 48 to Clemson. They gave up 45 to Pitt. Uh, The only good defensive performance that they have had against a a somewhat decent team, Uh, Phil Djokovic's hand was broken. uh, and He can't throw. I mean, they gave up 56 to Army. They gave up 40 to Syracuse. 37 to Louisville, 37 to Virginia. I, I I can go on and on. Excuse me. They go up 17 to Virginia. They're just 37 to Louisville. They're, they're not a good defensive football team and it's, it's not going to translate well for them here. I think Texas a and is going to win this game and we're going to look back at this wake forest season and think it looked really good at the end of October, but kind of since then it's looked a bit more like wake forest football and some programs might be, might have dodged a bullet with Dave Clawson. Let's put it that way. Um, some programs very near and dear to our heart might have dodged a bullet. I'm going to go Texas A&M. Brett, your thoughts on the Aggies and the Demon Deacons?
3: Oh, man. Um, I'm on the Aggies. I, I hate to go against Dave Clawson and how they've played all year, but I think it's all coming downhill now. Wake Forest—they started to unravel a little bit towards the end of the year. I think um, they showed their vulnerability. The offense obviously still is cooking on all cylinders, but they were playing teams that had zero defense. So Texas AM, and even without Elko, they still have the players there, and they're still far superior than any defense Wake Forest has played all year. Um, maybe except maybe Clemson, but we saw that one. So I like Texas A&M big time here. No. Way they're going to stop Wake for, up, sexing him from running the ball, even if they don't have the Cuban missile. Um, Spiller is he? St- wait, he's hurt, though, isn't he? Where's is he playing?
0: Spiller, yeah,
3: he could okay. be healthy. I, I couldn't remember, I know he just hurt. depends on if
4: he opts out or not, which so far he is not.
3: No, I thought, oh. yeah, but he's not going to the draft, I thought he was like a sophomore. Yeah, he's No,
4: Spiller's, Spiller's one of the... I think he's like the number three running back prospect right now.
3: Oh, he is? Oh, I'm mm-hmm. lost. Well, anyway, if he plays, no way in hell. Texan, I mean, Wake Forest defense is stopping, much less stopping a nosebleed that they couldn't do all year. So, I'm on Texas a big time here. Uh,
1: I'm looking at it now that um, he will forgo his eligibility. He will enter the 2022 NFL draft. I... I don't know if there is anything about the bowl game that has been announced yet, um, which could be a good sign, but the guy, they, I mean, this is what happens when you talk about teams like Texas A&M and you talk about some of the big time recruiters nationally, the guy behind them is probably just as talented. I mean, there's not going to be a massive talent drop off. So I look at the defensive line. We looked at the layout it was going to be out for Texas A&M on the interior defensive line. It's not like the guy behind them is smaller, or anything like that. The only thing difference is experience. So it's going to be hard for Wake Forest to overcome that. We'll see if, if they can. All right. New Year's day. Again, I think a really interesting matchup contrasting styles, Penn state minus two and a half playing the Arkansas Razorbacks in the Outback bowl in Tampa, Florida. This game will be on ESPN two at noon. Over under is 46 and a half a bit of a disappointing season for Penn state, but we kind of knew this was going to be one of the down years for them. They had a lot to replace, um, especially on the defensive side of the ball.
2: Yeah. I mean, uh, I believe they lost their defensive coordinator. I might have to double check on that one for Penn state. We'll have to go back and check the tape on that one, but who's that again? uh, Some guy named Brent. I have no idea. But uh, this to me is more about the season that Sam Pittman put together with Arkansas and how they played kind of inspired football against a relentless schedule in the SEC West. And I just feel like these are those types of games where they have that kind of motivation to go into it and play one last time. I do think this is going to be an absolute rock fight, uh, 46 and a half. If I'm going to bet this game at all whatsoever, I'm looking at going under that total right now. Uh, but uh, just give me the Razorbacks. I just feel like Penn State's in the mode right now where they're just going to try to reinvent themselves and replace staff and get going in the next direction and, and just kind of treat this as like an exhibition-type game, not necessarily super motivated to play into it. So uh, just give me Arkansas. Yeah. I – sorry. I just
4: – I'm – I can't decide who I want to pick in this one, to be honest. Um I think I'm going to go with Penn State. I don't feel confident in it. It's a tight spread. Um, Both of these teams have been fairly inconsistent. I don't know. Penn State runs the ball well. I,
0: yeah.
1: (laughs) I I agree with you. I'm not
4: confidently picking Penn State.
1: This is a really tough game. I think you're seeing it in the spread where you have maybe the more talented, more high-profile Penn State is only two-and-a-half-point favorites in a game that I think the stadium you'll expect will be split pretty 50 50 in that one, a great uniform matchup, by the way, just really classic on both sides. I like it. Um, I'm going to go Arkansas. I think they have the X factors enough. That'll make a difference. Penn state has looked very vanilla all season long. And I, I don't know if vanilla is going to get it done against Arkansas. I think the physicality of Arkansas will be able to match Penn state, And I like the Hogs plus two and a half.
3: I'm also on Arkansas here. Um, I think KJ Jefferson is capable of beating this Penn State defense. Arkansas, we thought for a while there was going to be a problem in the SEC. Turned out they were just an above. uh, They were a good team in the SEC. They were not, you know, elite like people thought they were going to be. Um, I think their defense is definitely capable of stopping Penn State from pretty much doing anything they want. Um, yeah, I'm on Arkansas here. I think this is an, another statement game for them to keep getting their brand going. Penn State's obviously has to rebuild on the defensive side of the ball for obvious reasons all Tech fans know of. Um, so I think Franklin will have this team ready, and I, I mean he always does. But I don't think Penn State's ready for SEC football, and it doesn't seem like they ever are. So he did? They did beat
2: Auburn, Auburn at home this year.
3: So I remember yeah, yeah. that. They, they did do that. But that's also Auburn. who.
1: There was also Bo Nix on the road. Well, Bo Nix
3: might be the Virginia Tech starting quarterback next year. So we might want to pump the brakes a little bit on how much we hate on him.
2: Are you dropping scoops right now? Uh, will, I, will it into existence? Time? To Bo time? Bo Nix and Blacksburg. Bo Nix? All I will say is...
3: All of the Virginia Tech coaches have followed, the current coaches have all followed Bo Nix within the last 48 hours, all of them, and not other ones.
1: And Bo Nix has been listed as do not contact on the transfer portal for probably three, four days now. Um, and that means that they've basically made up their mind and they don't want to be recruited actively by other coaching staffs. Uh, so where there's smoke, there's fire. Potentially with bo Nicks. Um, but yeah. Let me
4: get a four-piece Supremes box with fries and a large sheer wine. And oh, bo sauce,
1: man, with a side of bo sauce.
3: That's a Carolina resident I've ever heard uh,
1: Well, let's do some time traveling. I apologize, we skipped over a game that will be on New Year's Eve, and how could I forget the Sun Bowl in El Paso, Texas? Uh, talk about a destination place. I would just go there and have tacos for like three straight days, and. Watch football at a really picturesque stadium. Seems like a lot of fun to me. Washington State, two and a half point dogs against the Miami Hurricanes, who maybe for the first time since the early 2000s were better in the second half of the season than in the first half of the season. This game will be on CBS at noon, over-unders 59 and a half. Chris, Washington State, Miami.
2: Miami was so just thankful for that late surge in the season that they went up and they fired their head coach for doing that. So that's kind of where I'm at with this one. I don't know if Cristobal comes in, uh, Mario Cristobal, that is, and, and does anything to contribute to this preparation, of this game at all. whatsoever. He's got a lot of other things going on. Um, so for me – I like the story of Jake Dickert a lot better. He's been interim coach since obviously the turnover they had out there with the absolute debacle that was Washington State around midseason. And he coached them, I think, to a three and two record. And it was actually, um, I'm trying to pinpoint when he came in, it was right before the BYU game. Um, and if you look at the way they played, granted, it's a softer kind of Pac 12 schedule. But then again, you know, Miami with their schedule, uh, with the ACC schedule, pretty comparative. So if you're looking at these teams, obviously the name of Miami is going to come up a lot more uh, kind of to the casual fan of picking Miami in this game. And everyone's going to remember that they got Mario Cristobal coming in. But it's not like he's been there and has been able to kind of get everything going, what he needs to do. So I'm actually leaning Washington State in this one, not just a cover, but an outright win. Um, I like the factors that I talked about beforehand, motivation and continuity. Um, even though it's been a half season of continuity, kind of like a for J.C. Price, it's enough. And they've been playing inspired enough under that interim coach that they made him full-time coach. So he's the new guy going forward. So you can tell the team actually really, really likes this guy. Um, I do think they're going to go in here with a little bit of an edge on him. So give me the Cougars.
4: Yeah, Washington State has been feisty uh, down the stretch here. And uh, here's a fun stat for you guys. Miami has lost 10 of their last 11 bowl games straight up. That's terrible. That's not They'll, good. Th- their last two bowl wins came in 2016 and 2006. This is Miami we're talking about. And if you think after they fire their head coach, uh, you know, amid all that other debacle that they're going to break that trend. I don't think so. Uh, wazoo easily here.
1: I'm going to go against that. I'm going Miami. I, I, I am. I, I I don't like picking Miami in a bowl game. You talked about that, but Tyler Van Dyke is just playing so well. And in so many years, Miami is sputtering down the stretch. They're not looking good. They're not playing good football at all in the month of November, but this year has been totally different. They've been a much better football team. They're explosive on the outside. Defensively, they've gotten better throughout the season. I understand that Washington State, I think, has quietly had a good year, especially considering all the off-field stuff that they've had to deal with. I like Miami in this one. I I do, and I hate saying it because I know, I know they always sputter in bowl games but I, I'm going with it.
3: Yeah, I think I'm on Washington State as well just because of the motivational factor And Miami. I mean, granted, they found some serious life with Tyler Van Dyke. They should have started him from the get-go. Derek King was actually, even though he was half injured from time, he was the downfall of that team for a while. I mean, I really think he hurt them more than he helped them the whole year when he was available. Um, and the, way he, my, the way Van Dyke put against Virginia Tech, I was extremely impressed. He's going to be a problem. With Mario Cristobal over the next few years and but that but I still like Washington State your motivational factor Miami historically bad in bowl games um, Washington State gets to go forward in time Miami has to go back they have to get up a little earlier um, while it'll feel like a uh, I don't know I just like Washington State
1: <laughs> yeah I, all valid points all valid points alright so let's Go back to New Year's Day, Citrus Bowl in Orlando, Iowa plus three against Kentucky, two teams that are run-focused, defensive co- defensive-focused defensive programs. This game will be on ABC at 1 o'clock. The over-under is at a very low 44. I'll just go and say, Kentucky, Iowa sucks. Iowa's garbage. Iowa, boy, oh boy, they have looked bad.
3: Most fraudulent number two team in the country of all time when they were number
1: two? Uh, No, Boston College with Matt Ryan.
4: I was going to say, take a look at 2007. There were some fraudulent
1: number two teams. Kansas was number two that year. Missouri was number two that year. West Virginia, Virginia Tech. Southern Florida. (laughs) Yeah, Virginia Tech was number two that year, and they were scoring like 18 points a game.
3: That's pretty much what I – I mean, Iowa pretty much was the same exact team as Virginia Tech was – is the same exact team as that 2007-type team.
2: But Yeah, normally I would say if it was a normal – I'm going to say normal. I mean like they had some tight end threats, they had some semblance of a running game or something that I would consider Iowa. Because you see the line, it's plus three. This is essentially a matchup where Vegas sees it as extremely even across the board. And you said it for all the same reasons coaching continuity, I feel like Kirk Ferenc and Mark Stoops are just kind of destined to just kind of be enshrined in each individual location for these schools. They play the exact same type of ball. The difference is is Kentucky's side of the ball is much bigger and stronger and faster than Iowa's side of the ball um, to play the same type of game. So uh, I probably won't be looking at the spread in this game at all. I will be looking at that over-under and banking on the under-44 in this game, Uh, but If I have to pick the spread, I'm going Kentucky to cover minus three. Um, I just feel like for all the reasons that we stated above, Iowa is a very fraudulent team. And I don't know how they go um, into this game with some semblance of an offensive strategy that works at all whatsoever. They might barely score at all. So,
4: Uh, yeah, Kentucky, Iowa sucks to quote Sam word for word. Also, another team that was number two in 2007 at one point, South Florida
3: that's what i was saying <laughs> and forgot they were about uh, that they were, like four. they got
4: 11 first place votes that week
3: they were four years into being an fp uh boy at the time single a school but so they were like or something crazy
4: who are those 11 voters what are they doing now i certainly hope they're not voting
1: in the ap poll if you have time go on youtube and just like youtube 2007 college football somebody put together one of the greatest yeah, videos
3: of all every time, every week the number two team loses. It's freaking hilarious.
1: I believe it was seven straight weeks that the number two team lost, or something like that. It was, it was ridiculous.
3: Yeah, all I'm right. On, I'm on Kentucky here too. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, this
3: Iowa, is. I sucks. I mean, honestly, Will Levis, they should be playing in the Duke's Mayo Bowl because he put mayonnaise in his coffee. But for to like try to be in the bowl game, but anyway, I guess they didn't take it very.
1: Seriously. Yep, And I think this is another one of those is is disgusting. This is a disgusting football game, but I think it's also one of those really interesting matchups because Kirk Ferentz at Iowa, he's a legend there. They love him, but he's not getting any younger and the team's not getting any better. So that's a conversation that I think needs to be having stoops at Kentucky. Uh, Obviously from a great football family, he's done a good job at Kentucky. He's a guy who they signed him on to a big extension. I think he's the type of coach that'll be a lifer there. They are doing much, much better recruiting. They got four, four stars there. They're doing really well in the portal. I believe they actually got a five-star commit um, not long ago. This Um, year, they have one. This year. This year, they do have one. Let me try to find it. Yep. Uh, Deonta Goodwin, I'll take the
3: tackle. He's like 6'8", like 340 or 330 or something
1: already. (laughs) Yeah, ridiculous. Number four offensive tackle in the country committed to Kentucky. So, could be something brewing there in Lexington, not just on the basketball court. All right. Last bowl game of the night. We'll just go quick. LSU plus one against Kansas State in the Texas Bowl and Houston, Texas. 9 o'clock on ESPN, the over-under. Again, another low over-under. This one is at 47 for me. uh, I'm going to go Bayou Bengals to lose this one. Kansas State. Deuce Vaughn. If you don't know who Deuce Vaughn is, get ready for a show. Kansas State has quietly been a good football team this year. LSU, they're... I don't trust SEC football teams in these situations to come in and play really good football. LSU, I think, is kind of sputtering. Injuries have caught up with them. I like Kansas State in this one. I think the nation is going to learn who Deuce Fon is. He will be in the Heisman conversation next year. I promise you that.
3: Uh, do you guys know who the new quarterback of Kansas State will be next year? His no. name? Adrian Martinez. So there will be a team to look out for in the Big 12. I think Adrian Martinez was a victim of his own demise at Nebraska. Uh, I think he'll be able to succeed or more at Kansas State. And I'll just, I'll just jump in real quick. I'm fading LSU until Brian Kelly is fired. Just going to say it now. That is the – I'm fading LSU until he's fired. Unless they're playing, like, some really awful team. But I'm fading LSU every spread until he's fired. So, Kansas State.
2: Just, just for those of in hot that- with that one. There you go. That That's a mission statement there. Herbie, you want to go first here?
4: Yeah, I was just going to say for all of you listeners out there that can't see the zoom. I was just doing my best Brian Kelly dance. <laughs> oh, um, goodness, it's so cringe.
1: Everything about him is is so cringy right now. And it's so awful. Oh. And- it's the one his family place, it's the one place where you can you can literally you can break federal laws and still be their basketball coach you can do whatever you want on the recruiting trail and you're fine as long as you win football games the one thing you cannot do at LSU is be cringy and pasty and weird and he he is that he's just a cringy cringy old man and it's, this is going to be such a train wreck. I cannot wait. I think, I think we're about think- to see Urban Wire with the Jaguars type train wreck in Baton Rouge. I bet he
4: puts mayo in his coffee.
2: Who do you think was happier when this happened? Was it uh, Saban or, or Jimbo? When they're like, oh, cool. The one program that would have, if they had nailed the hire, it absolutely just probably spelled the you know the dominance and and our recruiting capabilities and competing for this division title meeting college football playoff entry and then they hired brian kelly and then they were probably just sitting there laughing like you know that meme of jordan looking at the ipad and he kind of leans back in his chair and he's laughing like that had to have been both of them watching all of those cringeworthy like it's there's no perfect word for it the cringeworthy uh moments where you had the viral moments on there so um, he, he's not coaching in this bowl game, but he's still basically firing all of the high culture people that he has at LSU. So that's another reason where I feel like it's kind of probably not be a great start for him because he's getting rid of everybody that was regarded as really high level in that program, um, replacing it with his own guys. Um, so I think, uh, I can't pick LSU in this game. Uh, I, I really cannot. It's, it's a one point game. Um. They're not motivated to be in this game at all whatsoever as a program. Kansas State sees us as like, we're going to go in there. And it's us against the world against an SEC team. (laughs) Even though the spread is one point, uh, they probably talked themselves into it. I have no reason to feel like they'll have enough in the tank from an athlete standpoint to compete with LSU. But I think this is one where LSU just just doesn't show up. Um, So uh, just hold my nose, give me uh, Kansas State. And yeah, no, I love, uh, I love Vaughn. Uh, I love the fact that he's like, he's like Mugsy Bogues out there. Is he shorter than
1: Darren Sproles? I don't believe you know? that he's shorter than Darren Sproles. but okay, I'm
2: just trying to figure out if he's the shortest Kansas state running back of all time. And I just know that that's his primary competition. I just wanted to know who was shorter.
1: No, I, I don't believe that he's shorter that. Oh, he they're the same height. Be, they're the he same might- height.
2: They're both five, six. Five, six. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. So it's awesome. And I, I love that narrative that they, they are the highest producer of tiny little running backs. They can. <laughs> so uh, I'll be rooting for that. So, uh,
4: yeah, LSU disaster. And to answer your earlier cre- question, Chris, uh, it's definitely Nick Saban who's laughing harder about the Brian Kelly hire considering he just snagged Eli Ricks out of the portal.
0: Oh, and, uh, man,
4: yeah, they Bama got Eli Ricks, and there's also chatter they may get Keishon Butte as well. Yep, Engineer Gibbs, the Engineer yeah. Gibbs. But well, Gibbs is one thing, but the, those other two—that's two LSU players, <laughs> arguably their two most talented players on their roster—besides Stingley, just plucked right from right out from under Brian Kelly, and they will not be playing in this bowl game. And yeah, that's
3: need I say more?
4: All of LSU's best players are leaving.
1: Their quarterback's transferring. It's just bad.
3: Brian Kelly had to call Miles Brennan and tell him, then beg him to come back so they have a quarterback.
1: They still don't have a quarterback because all they got is Miles Brennan. So,
3: (laughs) they have what's the guy Walker Howard? He's like the five-star freshman or whatever. But
1: yeah, I mean they they've done it before. Look, I'm yeah. You
3: don't you don't walk into LSU and become a great quarterback.
1: Not a great place to develop the
3: Unless you're Joe Burrow. <laughs> That's it.
1: Yeah, it's very true. Very true. All right, fellas. There's a lot of games tonight, but a lot of fun too. Uh, next week, we will be back with our college football playoff and New year Six predictions. Will we continue to ride with Cincinnati? Does Georgia lose back-to-back? And then some other fun college football, non-college football playoff games and New Year's Six games. Uh, Pitt, Michigan State will be a fun one. Ole Miss, Oklahoma State, Notre Dame, Ohio State, some big names playing in those games. Guys, any final thoughts? Because bowl season is here. Starts tomorrow.
2: Money line is the way to go in bowl games for the most part. We are picking spreads because that's what we've been doing all season. But if you're going to bank on it, find the value. And I just have one parlay I wanted to throw out there. And if you were convinced – By the locks of Saturday, look at combining South Carolina, Oregon, Clemson, and Washington State. Motivation is key in all these games. Combined plus 4,000 odds on straight up money line picks for those four games. There's no better value out there. If you can't waste your money going into the Christmas holidays and not spending it on your family, what better way to do than try to quadruple it by plus 4,000? Wow.
1: I like it.
4: Oh, and one more. I realize we we may have skipped over this one by accident. Uh, but Pitt is plus one against Michigan State. Near and, six. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. My bad. My bad. We'll that was actually that my pot. bad.
1: I put it in the doc, and uh, yeah.
4: Well, all I'll say is Kenneth Walker's not playing. So if you can get that spread now,
2: go. I was after looking it. forward Don't to wait. the Kenny Bowl. So that's Don't fun, wait so. for our
1: next episode. Uh, the Kenny bowl. That would have been a fun one. All right. Well, our next episode will be out next week. Uh, I will have a graphic of all of our bowl picks uh, coming up here shortly, trying to figure out kind of how I want to do that. We have a lot of picks and a lot of games that we're choosing and a reminder about the bowl mania group. Please join. If you have it already, try to get this out as quickly as possible. And guys for, we don't have many times left to say it this year. So Irby gives a good one. Go Hokies!
0: I'm thinking